Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Apparently he's louder than I am or something. Um, <clears throat> good morning. I like how uh, this morning has gone so far um, because <laughs> the Holy Spirit just works in, in very funny ways to me. Um, but literally everything that's happened so far this morning has pretty much lined up perfectly with what I'm going to be preaching about today. And <laughs> Matt saying, you know, like, I got to come up here and schmooze it all over. Like, I don't think that's happening today. <laughs> so I apologize. Um because what he just said really lines up perfectly with, with what I'm, where, where I'm coming from today. So um, normally I feel like I, when, I, when I do have the honor to come up here and preach, I have a lot of, like, I, I, I like to tell a lot of stories. That's how I communicate pretty well. Um, I feel like today is, is kind of different because I have just, I felt it on my heart that there's something that I need to talk about, and I'm just going to kind of go in on it and... Um, you know, I just, if you guys want to come with me, that's awesome. Um, I, uh, I just feel like we got to say it. So, um, thank you for being here also. Um, I know that I feel like I say this every time, but like, it means a lot that we have a church that when the main guy is not preaching, that people still show up, that it's not like a off Sunday, um. I personally appreciate that because it means that somebody is sitting here while I'm speaking. Because um, Lord knows I'd still be speaking if nobody was here. So um, thank you for being here. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna get into it. Um, are we? Do we have the the creed thing up here? Because I was planning on reading that still. Can we do the creed? Do we still have that? Can we throw that up there? Sorry, I should have clarified first. But um, we've been going through this series uh, in the wilderness and. Um, we've been reading this creed before every message, and I just think it's super powerful, and I think that it sets the stage for everything that is going to come out of my mouth. Um, I think that it is going to be something that empowers us as we move forward, okay? So if you all just want to uh, kind of repeat after me as we go here, okay? God, make me a voice in this generation. God, Make me, a shepherd Make me a shepherd after your own heart. After your own heart. I, want to know I want to know you for real. You for real. I, want to burn I want to burn with your holy fire. Your holy fire. I, want to feel I want to feel what you feel. What you feel. See, see how you see, how you see. And, move and move like you move. Like you move. I open my heart to you. Release upon me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son. Set my heart on fire. Set my heart on fire. Come on. Make my life a life of prayer. Amen. Awesome. Um, Man, I just like, I like declaring stuff like that before we do anything, because it just sets the tone for what we're about to go in on, all right? Um, anyways, 
we'll, we'll get on with, with what I was saying here. So I'm going to be coming today out of Acts 5, 27 through 42. Okay, so I know it's a decent chunk of scripture here. Just stay with me. I'm going to read it, and then we'll, we'll go on from there, okay? So starting in verse 27, and this might be different. I think I have a different translation here, um, but you'll get the gist. I just kind of like some of the wording better in here, okay? So starting in verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are, de are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thutius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all of his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged or beaten. Um, still got to catch that beating. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Dang. All right, I'm going to pray real quick, and then uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord is going to do with that, because that's a lot. Oh. Lord, thank you for this Sunday morning where we are found in your house. Thank you for just encountering us, God. Thank you for bringing your presence into this place. At the end of the day, none of this means anything if you don't encounter us, Lord. So we thank you. Pray that you would just, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us as, as we receive these words, Lord, and that you would just use me as a mouthpiece for the things that you want to say this morning, and that it would be blessed. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,
Amen. Awesome. All right, so I'm, I think you saw the slide. Oh, that's pretty dope, man. I like that with the wolf on there. That's cool. Uh, I told him I didn't need a special slide, but I, he made one anyway. So um, kill your comfort, all right? Kill your comfort. Sounds a little intense, right? Okay, I, I understand that might be a little over the top. Sometimes I have a little flair for the dramatic every once in a while. Um, but no, for real, the, the, the reason behind this, um, which I'll get into here, but when Matt announced the wilderness series and, and you know, I saw that I was going to be up to preach during that time, um, I was just trying to figure out what I was going to preach about. Let the Lord kind of speak to me and, and see what he wanted me to say. And the thing that kept being pressed on me was this idea of how uncomfortable it is to be in the wild, okay? Um, I don't know if any of you like to camp. Matt, myself, I mean personally, we do not. Um, I don't like sleeping on the ground because I find it uncomfortable, okay? Amen. It's uncomfortable in the wild, all right? Um, but just to, to compare there, I think the, the thing that I want to hit on more so than how uncomfortable it can be in the wilderness is how comfortable our modern amenities are, okay? Um, I mean, if we seriously think about how easy our lives have become, it's, it's staggering, okay? Seriously, um, in this country especially, I mean, do we realize how incredibly comfortable and convenient we have everything? Um, we have programmed our society to completely revolve around that convenience, okay? Which is great in a lot of ways. All right, don't get me wrong. I like being able to have packages delivered the next day. I love um, being able to order a burger and not leave my couch, okay? I think it's awesome. I love that, all right? But on the opposite side of that, there, there comes bad with some good here, okay? Because I have this thought that, you know, the, the evolution of our American society into this culture of just this always being convenient and comfortable, um, I think that has, you know, gone deeper than just being able to, you know, have your groceries brought to you, delivered to your home, or not waiting in line for dinner because you ordered something on an app ahead of time. Um, I think this obsession with comfort has wormed its way deeper than we have realized, um, and, and it's, it's a problem, okay? It's, it's caused Christians at large to become obsessed with a church experience that needs to make us feel good, okay? And I, sorry, I, I told you I was coming, coming in hot today, okay? It's not, I'm not playing today. So, but I, seriously, like, I mean, there is like the, you know, I don't want to go to church if I'm going to feel uncomfortable is a mindset that a lot of people have in America today, okay? And I, and I would dare say that it goes even deeper than, you know, our feelings about church or, you know, uh, an experience at a church service or whatever, because I think that's just a side effect of the real cause. I think that the root cause of this obsession with comfort, um, I think that that has, it's, it's because that whole obsession has worked its way into our souls and into our actual relationships with Jesus. I think that's the root cause that has caused all of these people that are unsatisfied with being called out by a pastor when they're just preaching what Jesus said, that's the root cause because we've allowed that 
obsession with comfort to weasel its way down into our souls. Okay? And I think that we've been programmed this way for, you know, about everything now. Okay? And we have this mindset that what I want right now is what is best for me. And it needs to be convenient for me as well. You know, I shouldn't have to go out of my way for Jesus because he loves me. He wants me to be comfortable. He wants me to be happy. I don't have to go out of my way for him. Guys, that is a straight-up lie from hell that has been gift-wrapped like it's from heaven, and it's dangerous as heck, dude. It's so dangerous. Like, when we have that mindset, it's absolutely detrimental to our faith. Because nowhere in Scripture does it say that following Jesus is comfortable or convenient, ever. Okay? And it, it states the exact opposite. All right? Because Jesus says in Scripture, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he also says, none of you can be my, disi- can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Like I said, it ties into what Matt was just saying. Like, Neither of those statements sound very convenient to me, okay? Picking up your cross daily doesn't sound super comfortable, okay? It sounds like hard work. But that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not about being comfortable, okay? It's never the, the, the gospel and, and Jesus going to the cross, us being saved by him. It's never been about our, our comfort and the things that we want to happen, Okay? There's a reason that Jesus says those things in Scripture. He's telling his disciples, like, guys, I, I am worth it, okay? You might have a lot of stuff, and that's great, but none of it compares to my goodness. Okay, that's what he's telling them when he says those things. And, he, and, he's, and he's also saying, you know, if it's a hindrance, if it is slowing you down in what I've called you to do, then what good is it to you anyways? It's stopping you from going forward. You know, he is, he is letting them know, like, Guys, we are on a mission here. We have a mission that we are moving forward on, we're trying to accomplish. Okay, we don't have time to waste on you trying to drag something behind you that I told you to let go of. Okay, and that, that mindset carried over to his apostles after his, his death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. Okay, he was no longer with them, but that sense of urgency was instilled deep within them. Because they spent time with him. They, they, they understood what was going on. And I think that this is what the church in America has, has been failing to grasp for a, a little while now. I, I honestly do. Is that there is a sense of urgency for this mission that we are on. Okay? We need to understand that. That there is no more time to waste. All right, like, like dead serious, there is no time to waste when it comes to our mission of evangelizing and spreading the word of Jesus, there's no time. Our staff, as Adrian mentioned, um, we had the privilege to attend the Arise Shine conference um, at Radiant in Kalamazoo a couple weeks ago. Um, And it was awesome. It was life-changing for a a lot of us. It was was faith-changing for a lot of us. Like, uh, we, we had to check our our spirits and and think about what the things that we're doing the way that we're going about stuff um but one of the guest preachers his name is john tyson he's awesome awesome preacher Uh, but he came in from new york and, and we had the privilege of listening to him and he mentioned a statistic that 
blew me away. He said he, he cited this, this Barna research group. Um, they do studies on you know people and all that stuff. But he said that they are expecting that in the next year, over 1.2 million people will leave the church in America, like at large. 1.2 million people. They, they equated that to their, their estimate is that 3,500 people are leaving the church a day. That are, they're choosing to step away from their faith and walk away from the church. Guys, that, I, I don't, like that, that is heartbreaking to me. Like Jesus has already been wrecking me this morning. Dude, that, that sucks. That is, that's awful. There is quite literally no more time to waste when it comes to our mission for Jesus. So what, what can we learn from this scripture about urgency then? Okay, what, what can the story of the first apostles teach us about how, how we go about our mission with urgency? Okay, let's start with some context from this section of Acts, okay? So if you have been to take over for any amount of time, you know that we love the book of Acts. Okay, we like it a lot. We preach out of the book of Acts a lot. If you weren't here for, you know, last year Matt did a, a series called Dunamis, um, you need to go back and listen to it again. Um, it was it was awesome, dude. It was it was great. Um, even if you have listened to it before, go back and listen to it again. This, as Matt would say, this is required listening for everyone. Okay, he likes to tell me that this is required listening. This is required reading. Okay, this is required listening for everybody. Okay, this will give you context. But in that series, Matt really dug into Acts and the dunamis or the power that was imparted onto the disciples by the Holy Spirit when they encountered him in Jerusalem. Okay. It was just great insight into the beginning of the book of Acts, and it sets the stage for, you know, the passage that, that I just read. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll give, you know, since we can't listen to that right now, we'll give a quick overview of, you know, make sure we're all on the same page, okay? So, real quick here. Jesus is hung on the cross, and he's killed. He's put in the tomb. Three days later, he's raised from the dead, okay? Comes back, and he visits his disciples, okay? When he is with his disciples... Before he ascends back to heaven, he tells them what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to go to Jerusalem, wait there, pray, and they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? He says, you guys are going you're gonna to stay here. You're going to pray. The Holy Spirit's going to come, up, come, come upon you. Okay? They don't know what the heck that means. Okay? They have no clue what, what he's talking about, but they do it anyways. Okay? They do it anyways. They, they listen to Jesus, and then... Um, you know, he ascends to heaven, and they, they listen. They, they go, they're, they're in Jerusalem, they're all hanging out, then they're just praying, okay? They're just seeking the Lord, praying. Um, and then, wouldn't you know, what Jesus told them would happen, happens, okay? Funny how that works out. He says something's going to happen, it happens, okay? They are all filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? They begin speaking in tongues. They're emboldened by the Spirit to preach the gospel of Jesus. So they start their mission of preaching the gospel to anybody that will listen to them, and they start moving, Okay, and it's crazy. Thousands of people become saved and baptized. It's it's an incredible move of God. Okay, and then Acts continues on to tell us how Peter, who is leading the movement, continues to preach boldly, and he's healing people in Jesus' name. Okay, and more and more people are beginning to follow the way or this this movement of Jesus. Okay, 
And naturally, this catches the eye of the religious leaders at this time, the religious authorities, okay? Because in this time, pretty much the biggest threat to any institution is insurrection, okay? An uprising of people rallying together behind a movement is dangerous to these guys, all right? So to the guys in charge, this whole thing is a problem, needs to be stopped. So the apostles are persecuted and they're attacked, they're thrown in jail for preaching the gospel of Jesus, okay? That's where we're at. So not, maybe not so brief, but that's the synopsis of the beginning of Acts. That's where we're at, okay? I need some context here. So we're all caught up. We're all at the same point, okay? Brings us to this scripture, which is where they are brought in before the Sanhedrin, which is crazy because the night before they were in jail, the Holy Spirit opens the door of the jail, wild. They all walk out, and they, the next morning they're all preaching in the temple, and they come to, to get them to bring them before the Sanhedrin, and they're like, yo, where are these dudes? Like, who let them out? And the guards are like, I don't know. We've been standing here this whole time. I don't know what the heck's happened. They go to them, and they're like, oh, these guys are in the temple. They go grab them, they arrest them again, they bring them to the Sanhedrin this time, okay? So the Sanhedrin, which would be like a, you can call it like a courtroom session with, you know, all of these um, religious leaders and elders, okay? That's kind of what the Sanhedrin would look like. There was, at the time, there was like a, I think they called them like a lower and a higher or something. There's like one that's like 70 people. There's one that's like 35. Anyways, it's a lot of dudes that are sitting here kind of questioning them, really mad, okay? So they're brought in before the Sanhedrin, okay? Um, and the high priest is like, why are you guys still here talking about Jesus? Like, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Okay, you're not supposed to preach about Jesus here. And I love how Peter responds here. He says, we must obey God rather than human beings. Like straight up, just like, you have no authority to me because my authority figure is God. He's called us to do this thing, and that's what we're going to do. So he says, we, we must obey God rather than human beings. And he continues on just preaching to them about Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. That Jesus, you know, if you follow him, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. In the face of such incredible danger, because let's, let's be honest, the men, in these room, the men in this room are very powerful, okay? They have a lot of authority. And I think that that can be lost on us sometimes, where it's like, oh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, whatever, like, they have power in this time, okay? Peter won't stop preaching the gospel of Jesus right to them, saying, this is the truth. You guys had him killed, okay? He was put to death, but death couldn't hold him because he is God. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, gave us the Holy Spirit, right to their faces. Like, he is legitimately just, like, throwing it right in their face. Like, listen, you guys don't even understand what you did, and you don't understand now what's happening. And he doesn't care that it's dangerous. So just, like, right to their face, okay? Now, I picked this portion of scripture for a, for a reason, okay? I chose this because, well, more like, I mean, the Lord placed this on me. I'd, whenever I choose something, it's probably going to suck. So he chose this for me, okay? Um, but I think the, the reason for that is because it highlights a couple things here really well, okay? And that would be the sense of urgency that the apostles have and the boldness that they have in preaching the gospel of Jesus, Okay, those are the things I think that it highlights very well. Because both of those things are side effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, that sense of urgency and that boldness come upon them because they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, they were told to wait. They waited. They weren't doing anything. There was no sense of urgency. It's just you're going to sit there and wait. Filled with the Holy Spirit, boom. Urgency, boldness, you're going now. Okay? But see, the reason I love so much how Peter responds to this high priest, it, because shortly before this, I don't know if, uh, you know, it, you guys understand the, the time frame here, but shortly before this, when Jesus was being beaten, right as he's about to be executed, this is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Okay? That, when, when I really took that in, blew my mind. Okay? Because I've known that, but to see it put this way, for me, was insane. Okay? This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Okay, same guy who, when Jesus is, is going to be executed, he's afraid, terrified. Somebody calls him out for having spent time with Jesus, and he responds, I, I never knew the man. I never knew him. Straight up denies it. Okay? <laughs> and that's the good, like, let me just speak to, like, the grace of God for a second. Because if I was in a situation where I'm about to be smoked, and Zach goes, I don't know that dude. Dude. What? No way am I ever getting over that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's insane. But that's the grace of God, because he uses Peter here, okay? He che still chooses to use him. It's just, man, that's crazy. Um, wow. <laughs> but that's Peter, okay? But now, only this time in this passage, we are seeing him filled with that Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the difference here. We are seeing Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing him filled with the boldness to stand in front of these men who have the power to straight up kill him in this moment if they choose to. They snap their fingers, hand him over to the Romans or whatever they want to do, they're dead. Stone them, whatever you want to do, they're out, okay? They have the power to kill him, and he's choosing to stand in there and just say, Jesus is the Messiah, and I don't care what you say. I, I, my authority, I respond to God. I don't respond to you, Okay? Now, I personally have never been in that situation, okay? Um, I would imagine that most of us have not. But if I was to think about myself in that spot, the word comfortable would probably be the last word that would be the one that's coming to my mind, okay? Um, I would think that it would be pretty uncomfortable in that spot, okay? Being thrown in jail, probably not very comfy, all right? Being brought before this court of powerful religious leaders who hate you, not very comfortable situation to be in, okay? Um, but let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit deposits that urgency and boldness on the inside of you, that's going to override any sense of comfort that you have on the inside of you. It's going to override it every single time, okay? That's what's happening here. See, Peter is on a mission, okay? The other apostles are on a mission here. They understand the consequences, but they go forward anyways, okay? They go forward anyways because that's their charge. That's their, that's their mission. That's the whole reason that they're doing this, is to go forward. Okay? And to be clear, it's not like they didn't have any other options. Okay? Peter and John, all these guys, they could have gone back to being fishermen if they really wanted to. Right? They were fishermen before. They could go back. They could be having a life that is free of persecution, free of being in jail. They can sit in their boat and, and cast nets all day long if they wanted to. Okay, they had other options. But they had the Holy Spirit fill them with the urgency 
that they that was propelling them forward that was spurring them on continually okay so what does this have to do with us though okay I'm I this took place 2,000 years ago roughly that's a long time how does this affect our lives how does this speak to you know how we should be operating in, in 2022 what does it have to do with us okay what it has to do with us is that their charge is still our charge okay our mission is honestly no different today than their mission was over 2,000 years ago it's the same thing we are still living in that gap of time between Jesus's death and resurrection and the moment when he will come back we are still in that chunk even though it's been 2,000 years we're still in that gap okay which means that even though it's been that long time, we are still called to deliver the gospel. We are still called to be the messengers to a lost and dying world of that gospel. Okay? And I don't mean just the pastors or the people on church staff. These original apostles were uneducated fishermen. Okay? They didn't, ha they didn't go to seminary. They didn't have theosu. They, they didn't have the opportunity to... to you know, go over all their theological stuff. Like, they were uneducated fishermen. They were normal, everyday people who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it changed them, okay? And then they went and told everybody around them, because that's what happens. When you have a true encounter with God, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what, you are charged up, you have that urgency and that boldness, you're ready to go, okay? And I get it, I understand a lot has changed in the world since then okay I obviously our country wasn't even around all right there's, there's been a lot of changes all right culturally things are different but the thing that hasn't changed is that our mission is still the exact same okay if we look at the scripture that we that we just read that proves how powerful this movement is that we are still a part of all right, so let's look back at verses um, 34 through 39, okay? It says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thutius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God... You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Okay? I am not going to lie. When I initially read, <clears throat> excuse me, when I initially read through this scripture, I kind of glossed over that part a little bit. Okay? I'm just being honest. I was like, oh, this Pharisee guy is talking. Cool. Let's get back to what the apostles do and what they say. Okay? I mean, seriously, that, like, that, that was my thought. Like, I, I just, I didn't give it a whole lot of, like, he's talking to the other Pharisees, like, whatever, who cares? I don't like these guys anyways. They, whatever, get out of here. Um, 
But that like, when I took a step back, I looked at it. When, when we actually examine what he is talking about, it's really, really cool, okay? He is talking about other small movements that have come before this time, all right? So like I said, insurrection, not good for these guys, okay? They like to stomp it out pretty quick, all right? Because when, when he's mentioning these guys here, most likely these men that he mentions were other cult leaders, okay? Like they... Like they were, were these guys that were just kind of starting a revolt or a revolution, how, like whatever you want to, um, however you want to say it, okay? They had small followings. They were causing problems for these leaders, all right? He mentions both of them as being killed, potentially in the same way that these guys want to kill the apostles right now, potentially by these rulers, all right? But he mentions them both as being killed, and their followings scatter, disperse. It doesn't come to anything, because it's man-made, okay? And I think this is, it's interesting because I think this is where Gamaliel is. I think he's, one, I think he's trying to stop a riot and an uprising from happening. I think he knows if they were to kill the apostles right now, these followers of the way, because it's thousands of followers at this point. It's not just a couple hundred. He's like, man, these people are going to revolt. They are going to, they're going to tear us apart. So I think, one, he's trying to stop that. But I also think in this moment, he's questioning whether this is real or not. Because the way that he phrases it, and when he says, for if the purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, he's questioning, if it is from God, you won't be able to stop them anyways. And you're going to be fighting against God. Like, I would just encourage you right now, look around you, okay, and then hypothetically look around our country, look around our world. I see a lot of Christians still hanging around from a movement that, if it was of man-made origin, would have died out a long time ago. Like, that gets me hyped up, all right, because I thank God that it wasn't man-made. It's been God-made and Holy Spirit-powered, okay, this movement that we're a part of. So, like I said, in such a time where, it, like, where, where we have turbulence in, in, in the world and, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, be encouraged that following Jesus is the real deal. Like, be encouraged that, you know, being a little Christ or, or this Christianity is the real deal. And it has a lineage like nothing else, guys. Like, I think that we overlook that sometimes. But we truly stand on the shoulders of giants in the faith. And that's why we look to these scriptures to draw knowledge and courage, okay? Because when I, when I read this stuff, I am encouraged. I'm, I get hyped up. It's awesome. I love it. But also, when I read this, I feel convicted, okay? Um, the next three verses, I feel very convicted by, all right? Sorry, one second here. I'm just going to... Sweet. But no, these next three verses I feel very convicted by. Okay, so we're going to go verses 40 through 42. And it says, his, right, as happens right after he talks to them, it says, His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged or beaten, because that's what they do. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. 
Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. When is the last time that we rejoiced for being counted worthy of suffering for Jesus' name? Dude, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, ever? Have I ever celebrated any type of persecution that has come upon me for his name? Probably not. I don't think that personally I can say that I've ever had an experience where somebody has said something to me about being a Christian and I've been like, oh, <laughs> nice. That was cool. Like, no. I don't think so. And, and I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think this is a cop-out. Like, I'm not trying to shift this off of myself in the way that I've handled those situations. But I think that this is a direct result of how comfortable I have felt as a Christian in this nation that was founded by Christians. Okay? We have a very young country that is a lot different from, from the rest of the world. And I think that a lot of that has... Has, has worked its way into this where that's part of the reason I've, I've never had to experience that okay I would assume that most of us probably feel that way the likelihood that we will ever be asked to die for Jesus name or catch a beating for Jesus name very very small the likelihood is, is essentially non-existent in this country okay but I know that most of us will at some point face either social or political pressures, um, you know, where we'll feel those things, we'll receive hate for taking a stand in Jesus' name. And when that happens, am I going to count that as joy for that happening to me and keep preaching the name of Jesus? Or am I going to take that in my, in my spirit as an L and, and I'll take my foot off the gas and I'll, I'll, you know, duck my head down, lower my voice, like, there's a, there's a direct choice there. And personally, I can tell you, I've made the incorrect choice a few times, all right? And really, I'm not trying to, you know, insult anyone or, you know, anything like that. But if you are feeling convicted right now, good. We all should be feeling convicted right now because I felt super convicted writing this down, Okay? That's what the Lord does. Like, it's not, this isn't just for you. This is for me. This is, you know, give me a little tap on the noggin saying that you need to understand this stuff here. All right? But don't shy away from the conviction of the Lord. Okay? Lean into it. Because it's, it's not just for, it's not just conviction for conviction's sake. Like, when you feel convicted about something, it's not just because God wants you to feel bad. Okay? It's conviction for the sake of the name of Jesus and expanding his kingdom inside of you. Expanding his kingdom inside of you. Expanding your relationship with him. Breaking things off of you that shouldn't be there in the first place. Okay? That conviction, when we listen to it, is what grows us in our faith and our boldness for his name. That's what conviction does. So, when we feel that conviction, what do we do next? Okay? What, what do we learn from these men about where to start? Well, first, I think that we start with repentance and we start with preparing our hearts for the mission that is at hand, okay? The, the apostles understood that anything slowing them down in their mission needed to go, like it needed to be gone. They show us how to, you know, to lay down our lives for the Lord and pick up our cross. That's what they show us in, the, in these scriptures, okay? 
So what is slowing us down? Okay, what have we become too comfortable in, okay, to the point where we don't want to move into the next territory that the Lord is calling us into? All right, and I can say it this way too. What do you find safety in? What do you find security in before the Lord? Because as Matt, I mean, as, as he, he just came up here and gave a great word about tithing. That is huge. For myself personally, money has a grip on a lot of people, okay? And that, I mean, that might not be it for you. I'm just saying, that's one example. But whatever that thing is that just came into your mind, it's time to examine it. All right, it's time to test it. Okay, am I putting more stock in being comfortable than I am into the mission of making Jesus known to everybody on this planet? Because at the end of the day, that is our mission, all right? There's a lot of things that aren't inherently sinful, but when they take the rightful place of priority in our hearts, it becomes sin. So we must repent of these things and, and, and the... A th- the, the priority shift that has taken place in us. We've got to repent for all that stuff, all right? The second part to that is the preparation of our hearts, okay? That is improving our communication with God through prayer, reading of the word, and fasting, all right? Our relationship with God was never intended to be this, this Santa Claus-like relationship with Jesus, all right? Like, Jesus, please give me, give me this thing. Give me this, please. Like, no, that's not what it's, that's not, it's not a one way he's just giving us stuff all the time. Anybody ever seen the show Parks and Rec? I love that show. I think it's hilarious. All right. One of my favorite shows, you're wrong. One of my favorite shows, uh, or one of my favorite characters is John Ralphio. I think he's hilarious, but he has a sister who is super annoying Her name is Mona Lisa, okay, the character I really don't care for, because her entire existence on this show is her asking her dad for money and then spending it. Like she, there's literally in this show, that's her entire thing, is there is actually moments in the show where she just smiles at her dad and goes, money please, and he puts money into her hand, all right? That's how we have become with the Lord sometimes, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, that, I've, I've become that way as well. Okay? That, that can't be it, all right? It can't just be, you know, going to the Lord with, Lord, I, I need financial provision right now. God, I need a husband. I, I know that you have a husband out there for me. I know that you have a wife for me. Like, God, I need clarity in this situation. Like, I think sometimes when we're, like, caught up in all this asking for God to give us stuff, I think he's just, like, sitting there, like, you know, I have all of this stuff for you, but I just want you to want my presence first. You know, like, I want you to want to know me first. I mean, even in Matthew six thirty three, Jesus specifically says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So have you died to yourself today? Have you picked up your cross today? Or on Tuesday when you're not in church? Have, have you died to yourself on a Tuesday? And picked up the cross that he's telling you to pick up? Because God wants to give you that stuff. I and mean, he's a good father. He wants to bless us with things that, that we have desires for. He's, he's placed those good desires in, in our soul. Okay? 
They're not evil or sinful things. But he wants your heart first. When we seek him first, when we prioritize just encountering his presence, that's why, I mean, that's been my prayer for like the last three weeks is just like, Lord, when I don't know what else to pray, I just want to encounter you over anything else. Just grace me with your presence. Show me something. I want to be near to you. But when we spend time t- praying and, and talking with him, and we read his word and we, we absorb his wisdom, that is the preparation that sets us up to kill those things that we are taking comfort in. Okay, see, see the reason that the apostles had the encounter with the Holy Spirit in the first place is because they were doing the prep work. They listened to Jesus. Okay, they did what he instructed them. But they, but they were setting up a space where their focus was completely on God. All right? They were obeying Jesus' command. They stayed in Jerusalem. And they were just in constant prayer, setting their eyes on him, just seeking his presence. And that set up the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the, for the Holy Spirit to come down and empower them. Because they were sitting there doing the prep work. They were, they were just like, God, I just, whatever. I don't know what even this means. I don't know why he's telling us to stay here. I don't know. I don't know. But God, I know that this is something special. And then it happens because they were doing the prep work. Man, that's just crazy. Worship team, you guys can make your way up here. Um, man, I just, it literally just blows me away, like, the faithfulness that they had. Because I think that we often overlook the, the preparation of our hearts, okay? Um, you wouldn't go into a battle with no armor on, right? Like, if you knew a battle was coming, that would be the dumbest thing you could do is just to walk in with no armor on. Like, there's swords and spears and all this stuff flying all over the place, and you're just the one guy walking out there with no shirt on. Like, open target. Go ahead and hit me. Like, that, that's silly. That doesn't make any sense. You'd make sure that you prepared. Has any, I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're not into this stuff like I am, but anybody ever watched any documentaries or, or like, studied on, on, like, the U.S. Navy SEALs, anything like that? When, when I was, there we go. We got, we got somebody. Um... When I was a, a little bit younger and uh, I had visions of grandeur and, you know, potentially joining the military and all this stuff, I was like, dude, the U.S. Navy SEALs are sick. Like, they're so cool. Like, I'd seen the movies and I was like, man, they're, they're awesome. Obviously, the Lord had other plans for my life, okay? So, anyways, I've, I've done the deep dive on looking into, like, everything they go through, and it's actually insane. Okay, they are soldiers, obviously. They are well aware that battles are coming. They are well aware that they will be going to war. This isn't like, you know, I, I know that there are levels of the military where it's like, oh, you might be deployed, you might not. No, these dudes are like, I'm going to this position in the military so I can go fight. They, that's what they're doing, okay? They know they're going into battle, and because of that, they are training constantly, Okay, nothing is overlooked. Not a single little detail is overlooked. They prepare for every situation. Okay, part of their training is they will, like when a new soldier comes in, they will teach them a skill and they will make them master that skill. Okay, whatever it is. I mean, whether it's taking apart your rifle and putting it back together, 
they will make you master that skill over and over and over again. And then, once you've mastered that skill, what they will do is they will introduce you to a difficulty while performing that skill. So you'll have to take your rifle apart and put it back together while not having eaten or slept for like two days. Okay? And you'll have to know how to do it. And then, they'll take that soldier who hasn't eaten or slept for two days, and they'll say, you have to do this in these freezing cold conditions where it's raining, you're wet, and you're tired and hungry, and it's cold, it's nighttime out, you can't see anything, put this rifle back together, all right? That's the type of preparation that they go through because they know that they're going into battle, okay? They're constantly pushing the limits and testing their skills to prepare for the battle ahead, okay? Your battleground is your home, it's your school, it's your work, it's the street you live on, it's the gym you go to, okay? And we don't even realize it sometimes though. Like, like dead serious, I think that we get so caught up in the earthly that we forget the spiritual is happening around us, okay? We need to be more aware of those things. When's the last time you tested your spirit? Or the last time that you tested the depth and intimacy of your prayer? How long has it been since you examined the health and readiness of your soul? How is your preparation? Because it matters. Like the stakes are, are just too high, guys. Like I said, we don't have any time to waste when it comes to spreading the word. It just doesn't exist. There's no more time. Our charge is still to deliver the gospel of Jesus because it is so good. Don't forget the goodness that is in the gospel. All right, that's why Peter, in the face of death, he can't help but preach the name of Jesus. Because it's so good. He's full, he's, he's full of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of Jesus. And it's just so good. That's why he can't help himself. And the message that we are called to deliver is the same message. It's amazing. Like if you, if you actually sit down and think about the gospel of Jesus and how incredible that is, it, it blows my mind. And I think that we, we lose that sometimes. But that, that goodness of the gospel is what we can find our comfort in. Okay, we find our peace and comfort in Jesus Christ and his resurrection and the salvation that he offers us through that, okay? Don't let that be lost in the busyness of life, okay? It's easy to, to lose the focus of that when things are, are going on around you, it, it's easy. I can speak from personal experience on this, okay? Like I said, this always speaks to me probably more than it speaks to anybody else, and that's fine with me, I, I'll take it. But I can tell you right now, last year in 2021, I, had received a word, I was given a word, multiple words actually, um, about my leadership and the prophetic gifting on my life and the ability that I would have to receive heavenly insight into people's lives, okay? How I would be able to help people encounter the Lord through those giftings. And I was stoked, I was so excited. For like a month straight, I was just like praying all the time, like, Lord, unlock this stuff in me. I was researching it. I was looking for opportunity. I was just going hard at it. And I had some awesome stuff happen through me. Like the Lord was using it. I, 
had a word for the lady running the, the car line going to pick up my daughter from school one day. Like, it was awesome. And then it just, like, life happens. I, I, I took my focus off of the main thing and just got busy. And, and everything just started, like, coming at me. You know, I've, I've got all these schedules and, you know, I'm trying to keep up with everything. And the focus just shifted. And, and, I, and I, I lost where, like, the, the whole insight as to, like, the reason behind everything. The word that I was given, like, everything. To the point where, like, I wasn't even receiving anything to give to anybody from the, like, I just, I would every once in a while, I'd pray, be like, oh, Lord, that was so cool when you did that. Could you give me, like, a word for somebody? And I get nothing. And it was like, I, I was getting mad. I was like, dude, what the heck? Like, why is this not happening? wasn't preparing my heart for the battles that I was finding myself in. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't, I wasn't putting to death the things that I was taking comfort in and focusing on the Lord. And I wasn't being lost in prayer continually about these things. had a revelation of prayer and the, the importance of it but like up until recently that was the case like it wasn't it just wasn't there I wasn't feeling like I was receiving that deposit from the Lord because of that not, I wasn't preparing well so here is my charge to us this morning okay that we still have the same charge as the apostles that's my charge as it was their charge all right that we are called to be a church that keeps the main thing, the main thing always, and that's Jesus and delivering his gospel, always, under any circumstance. My charge is that we are called to be a people that model ourselves after the early apostles, and we walk out our mission with urgency and boldness, being fueled by the Holy Spirit the entire time. All right, because we live in a world that is desperate for truth, we are the people who have been tasked at this time with telling them about Jesus. You are here at this time for this specific reason. Even in the face of persecution and suffering, that's what we are called to. And that starts with us being prepared, okay, by prayer and killing our comfort in things that deserve a lesser throne than the God of the universe. Because that's what it takes. I just want to pray over us, over us as we as we leave today. Um, because first of all, if you don't know Jesus, um, I would encourage you in this moment, even if you've never prayed before, just pray that you would encounter him, that he would speak to you in this moment. Because his goodness is beyond anything that I could ever put words to. Okay, um, But I also just want to pray over us that, that we would have a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit over us. Okay, That we would be filled with boldness and urgency. So Father, thank you for, for using me this morning to deliver your word, God. I just pray over all of us in this room right now. God, that you would fill us afresh 
with your Holy Spirit. A fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit is what we are seeking this morning, God. We pray for urgency to be welling up inside us, a boldness that cannot be contained when we are out on the streets of Grand Rapids, Lord. That we would be a people modeling your apostles, seeking the things that they were seeking, because ultimately that ends up with seeking you, God. And Jesus, I just pray right now that we would be a people who find joy in suffering for your name. That we would be a people that find joy in suffering for your name because we have the mindset that, that we are on the right path there. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your power that lives within inside of us, Lord. In Jesus' name.